0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac 12 network. We are the podcast of champions.
1: I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner,
0: gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touch-
1: We are the Podcast
0: of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports
1: Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together... We make the podcast of Champions talking all things Pac-12 football. we got a lot of stuff to get to today. Got some somber news we're going to get to at the top, but I want to let everyone know if you have any questions or comments for the show. You can still email us, even though there's no more games going on. Well, bowl games coming up, but no more regular season Pac-12 games. You can email us, Pac-12-Podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678 or tweet us at Pac-12-Podcast. And the website, of course... It's PackedWellPodcast.com, and if you have the Apple Podcasting app, we do appreciate leaving us a five-star review. Uh, I love that. Five-star rating, some kind of review. You can trash us. You can say something nice about us. It's a little weird if you do that, but that's fine. We like that, too. As long as you leave us a five-star rating, it does help to grow the show. Uh, we think it does. That's what we're told. But I don't know. We keep saying this, but it's good. We love it. Uh, if you can do that. Dave, I don't know if we have any new ones this week. Um, mm, No. Okay. No, uh, no new ones. Uh, everyone is failing miserably.
0: <laughs> miserably.
1: Right. And if you're watching us on our YouTube channel, uh, we are getting up there. I think we're over 700 subscribers on there now. We've been doing this for a couple months. We need months. to get to
0: 1,000. We so got to get to can a thousand. serve these people ads.
1: Right. <laughs> They're going to like keep it just
0: below. <laughs> yes. So
1: please, uh, please subscribe over on our YouTube channel for uh, the Pac 12 podcast. Podcast of Champions, check it out. We I call it a simulcast. Dave doesn't call it a simulcast. If you're listening on the Apple Podcasting app, this brand,
0: isn't a this isn't a oh we can both be right about this thing. There's a thing that a simulcast is, and this is that's not what, that. This is it. No, yeah. no,
1: we are one casting. We love it. Uh, but yeah, so we're over there on the YouTube. If you're on YouTube and you're watching us live or watching the replay, whatever it is, thank you. It's been a lot of people, but it's been growing every week. That is great. We will uh, be monitoring the chat room, the chat box, and I'll be able to put your comments up on the screen uh, for all that. I also want to thank our sponsor, uh, MyBookie. We're going to get to a couple more picks this week. Uh, I'm two behind David, and we got seven bowl games for me to catch up, but we're both uh, doing pretty well. I've been very happy with uh, my my MyBookie account this, uh, this season, which is nice, but if you're going to go over there and you want to join along in the fun, you can bet NFL games, you can bet... Uh, NBA, of course, what's left of the college football season. You can do all that too over at my bookie. The promo code we like to use is PAC 12, and that will give you a 50% deposit match. Uh, so whatever you put in there, you want to put hundred bucks in there, you'll be 150 to bet, bet around with, or you can go do up to a thousand dollars. Check it out. I got to like, yeah, so I want to try to finish strong, uh, but I got to collect on my Arizona state under six and a half wins. That was a good one. Um, so I was happy about that one and did, did some good parlays at the end. I got to see if I can catch Dave, see if I can catch him in the last couple of weeks, but we are both, uh, well above 500. So, uh, pretty cool. I'm 49, 40 and two against the spread and you are 51, 38 and two right. against the spread the season. So pretty right.
0: good. I am 13 games over 500. You are nine. Right. So I'm two games behind us. So that's good. Correct. But I'm 13. You're nine. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but not unlike the score of the
1: 2006 UCLA USC game. That is true, thirteen to nine. That thirteen was that to one. nine. Um, and as Mark says in the chat, smash that like button. If you are watching on YouTube, please like the please like this uh, this video. So I'd... which
0: bowl game? Here's the real question: Which bowl game is going to be like Eric McNeil's interception, and which of them <laughs> is going to be like Aaron Perez's like sixty
1: yard punt? Mm. We'll see. It's the real question, right? Yeah. What? How is it going to end? Yeah. Uh, it'd be very, it'd be very UCLA disappointing of you for you to lose the lead at the very end. Wouldn't that be great? I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get some strategy. So we'll see. What yeah, strategy's worked so well for you in the past. <laughs> yeah. It's been good. Um, yes, yeah, smash the like button if you are watching, and if you hit that little notification button, it'll let you know when we go live. We're trying to put it out a little ahead of time, um, and we've been doing that. We're putting up the little announcements on all of the two four seven. Pack twelve sites so you can see when we're going live. But this is a lot of fun to do these. We'll keep we'll keep trying to do them. Uh, and we'll see the holiday schedule. We want to. We're gonna have to do another show to preview the next round of bowl games. Uh, there'll be some travel and things going on. Dave definitely gonna go cover the UCLA bowl. No, he doesn't do mm-hmm. that. But no, I have to go to Dallas to cover uh, the Cotton Bowl.
0: Yeah, uh, but we'll figure out. My stuff. guess is we'll do a show next week. Yep. And then we'll probably wait until January to do a recap show of the rest of the bowl games. So okay. That'd be my guess. That, that would make based sense. Based on our schedules. When I want to
1: get back from everything and stuff. Okay. Um, we do have some uh, very uh, somber news to report, like I mentioned uh, at the top. Um, you know, A couple of days ago, we learned that Mike Leach had some sort of medical incident. He had to go in the hospital, was in critical condition. Wake up this morning, uh, today's Tuesday, to, to learn that uh, Mike Leach, former Texas Tech head coach, uh, Washington State of, at Mississippi State now uh, passed away uh, at age sixty one. Um, yeah, just a real—I mean, he was uh, as unique of a character as you could find, right? In mm-hmm. in uh, in college football, and just one of those guys. When he was in the Pac twelve Pac twelve Media Day, was just better when he was around, and uh, yeah, just. Really sad um, to hear about this. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get like kind of generic, um, just coach speak all the time. And Mike Leach was definitely not that. You know, he was someone that was really smart. I mean, he mm-hmm. could, he would talk to you about history, Geronimo or pirates or whatever you want to talk about. His, uh, you know, disp- didn't like candy corn um, and fruitcake and um, just so many things. He just had so many inter- like so many quirks about him, and uh, was always fun. It was always entertaining, and would just if you just pulled up to him to say hello, like he would have a full on conversation with you. He's not like some coach that's going to be like, "Hey, I'm the coach of this school." Uh, you know, no, he'll talk to anybody. Um, it's just, it's a sad sad day. He his his out. You know, he had such a tree, a coaching tree under him. Um, you know, learning early like that spread offensive stuff from How Mummy and. Uh, how that prolificated throughout, you know, college football and what they did at Texas Tech and the winningest coach there. And, you know, what he's able to do at Washington State and, and, you know, now in the SEC, there's just, there was always an interesting story with Mike Leach. And, uh, you know, you see all the sports writers, there's um, obituaries and stuff coming out. I, you know, it's like, I I love going back and reading the stories. You yeah, know, yeah, the the what what he did, you know, then not not like being eulogized now. You know, like I'll, I'll probably get to some of those, but there's just so many great stories that have come out. And uh, if you forget them, you can't read them again. But just it's just a shame. So we wanted to talk yeah. about that at
0: the top. And th- so I was I actually made an effort to do that this morning because I knew we were going to do the show because the last few years um, I had more. <laughs> I would say, more negative feelings about Leach, generally, because of a lot of the player issues that had come out and all that kind of stuff. And so I was making an effort this morning to go back and read um, the Michael Lewis story in the New York Times. Uh, remember that one? It was about uh, when he was at Texas Tech, when he was first kind of um, really making it apparent that his uh, system was going to work as a head coach. And it was this just expansive story, with all the pirate stuff. Um, Geronimo, I believe, was involved. Yes. Um but it was all the, um, you know, like the principles of the air raid, um, you know, spreading out your receivers super wide, you know, exploring the entire uh, horizontal aspect of the field, doing the wide splits with of the offensive line, all this stuff that like got me. I would say that story got me thinking more about like analytical sides of football and like, well, OK, why are they doing it this way? Why don't they do it a different way? Um, and that was just as a fan, um, obviously, for guys who are much more well versed in it. It's been a. Uh, crazy revolution in college football and you can attribute it i mean how mummy sure but i mean mike leach is the proof of concept this is the guy who made it work you don't <laughs> nobody else could have gone into lubbock pullman and starkville and emerged i, I think he won 60 percent of his games or just thereabouts i think so um yeah. that's just that's insane um but i read that i read spencer hall's uh piece this morning um About a boating trip they took off of Key West when he was in that interregnum between uh, Texas Tech and Washington State when he was fighting the lawsuit, Um, and it was just you know I think there's everybody's complicated. Everyone's got their own um, you know foibles, and I would think you know because he's a public figure, a lot more of his were public, very public. Um, and so the player issues, um, and I'm not just talking about Adam James. I'm talking about some of the stuff that happened at Washington State as well, and just kind of. the tenor of uh, what he would say about players sometimes. But there's also, I mean, you read anything from these writers and it's uh, obvious how generous he was with his time to all of these people um, and, and curious about them in a way that is just, I mean, asking people questions and being actually interested in them is uh, (laughs) one of the best things you can do as a person um, when you're talking to people. And so, have that level of impact on people and i mean just go search on your twitter and these are not people who are like because the 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 whole thing is it's a lot of it's politics um but these are not people who are aligned with him politically saying yeah i had a you know a really positive relationship with him because you know we had these long expansive conversations um so uh, you know people contain multitudes um but the uh the the level of innovation for football and the level of um uh, uniqueness. Um, you know, we are dealt. So here's the thing about college football coaches. Most of them are not great, like human beings. Like most of them have their own complicated stuff and all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, he was also very interesting. Um, there was a lot bringing up your book. Um, he was also very interesting. He was um open. Um, you know, this is a guy who didn't care if you knew what plays he was going to call. Didn't care if you were observing practice. um, Was you know a guy who was like taking interviews like leading up to practice would respond to a text message with a thirty minute phone call. um, Explain anything you wanted him to explain. Um, It's a big loss for college football, um, and I think there's no question about it. the The college football world just got a lot less interesting. And not just because of like weird stuff Mike Leach would say, but because of what he was doing on the field. Um, because of, again, that openness. It's something we've talked about on this show a lot. Yeah. So many coaches think they are running like uh, uh, the Manhattan Project. Um, <laughs> and Leach understood it that first, it's not the Manhattan Project level of secrecy, it's not that important. And second, anything you're doing that, that, that's that complicated is probably dumb. I mean, the big thing that Leach was doing was we're going to run like five plays. And we're just going to run the hell out of them and practice. And that's the only thing we're going to practice. And then we're going to go out in the games. And even if they know what we're going to call, they're still not going to be able to defend it. And in the latter stages of his career, you know, Washington State and Mississippi State, it took longer for it to get going. But it was still capable of doing it um, in big games. It just took longer to get the execution down. But when, if you remember watching Texas Tech, it was like, yeah, nobody can stop this. Nobody can stop any of this. Um so yeah i think sad day for college football um sad day i I mean i'm sad about it um you know this is a guy who he was just 61 um and you know uh, anytime you know you're having massive heart failure at 61 that's a that's a sad and sudden death so uh r.i.p to uh to a unique unique man
1: the pirate um yeah, if you guys haven't checked out the book um, "Swing Your Sword," I'm going to put it up here. I have it in the in the office, um, Mike Leach. But Bruce Feldman wrote it uh, with him. His, his name's not even on the book. But uh, you know, I've talked. I've been friends with Bruce for a long time, and um, he's been close with uh, with Mike Leach. And I remember when they were doing like the book signings and everything back in the day. But weird story about that. Like this, Bruce. Uh, when I had met Bruce, he was working ESPN. He was doing some TV stuff, but you know he was like one of their you know main college football writers, and he was there for 17 years. He writes this book with with Mike Leach, and if you remember, like there was the whole thing where Craig James, who was remember him, he was an analyst for uh, for ESPN, and his son was on the team. I heard about him something to do with him and prostitutes. I, I'm not sure. I either. mean, we might just have to go.
0: I think it was like five of them. Really? Yeah, he. he I, I don't know. I, I don't want to
1: speculate, but uh, somebody else can maybe put it in the chat. Just check it out. But so he was, his son was like eighth string walk on, like wide. Rec- I forget the exact story, but like wide receiver on the team and wasn't doing much. And there was a there was a confrontation between Craig James, who was apparently like this helicopter parent, and Mike Leach. And there was an accusation that they, he was in concussion. They put him, locked him in a broom closet or something. It was all this crap. That's, I think with the the lawsuit you were talking about, there was like wrongful wrongful termination. But anyway, like ESPN completely backed like Craig James. And Mike Leach was telling his side of the story in the book. And Bruce, who works for ESPN, was writing the book. And from what Bruce was telling me um, when this was going on, he was like, hey, uh, telling the people at ESPN, like, by the way, like, Mike Leach has some pretty, you know, rough things to say about Craig James in this book and what ESPN was doing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, hopefully Bruce is okay with me telling this. And uh, he was like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. And then until the very end, when the first excerpt came out from the book, they're like, call him into the office. Like, uh, what is this? I'm like, dude, I told you guys, like he wrote that. like he's, he, this is what he's saying about you guys. And uh, this was right before the ESPYs and Bruce was supposed to go to the ESPYs. And they, like, basically shut down his Twitter. Like, he's, like, not supposed to tweet anymore. Uh, he couldn't go to the SB's. And I ended up picking him up uh, at Manhattan Beach. And we went out, and, like, somewhere in Manhattan Beach. And he was just, like, this was a company he was with for 17 years. Like, this is his whole. And he's a dude that, like, he went to, like, four different junior colleges. Like, he, you know, he wasn't, like, a, went to, like, Northwestern and was going to be a sports writer from the very beginning. Like, he's just someone that had, like, a different path to get to where he was. And uh, I just remember it just, it wasn't, you know, he just wasn't himself that night. It was just like, what, you know, what's going on here? And then it was like the following Pac-12 media day where I like drove him. He like, there was a hashtag free Bruce. Do you remember that? Like Mm -hmm. they had kind of shut him down and then he started working, I think at CBS at the time. But we went to like Pac-12 media day together. It was like his first like coming out thing. But all of this because of the book with Mike Leach. And it was just like, it changed his career because of what, you know, um you know what was going on but i th- i think it was a you know it was basically like you find out like Craig james kid was kind of a piece of shit right and uh it was you know he was just like and but espn completely backed uh craig james at the time so i don't know but that was yeah that's my remembrance of the story so if i get a few details wrong my apologies but yeah that was uh yeah yeah that that. certainly a uh certainly
0: a unique character um and uh I think it's probably safe to say college football's never going to see something similar.
1: No. There was a funny um quote uh I think it was Dennis Dodd was retweeting or whatever, but he was he was going back. I think Mike Leach the story was that Mike Leach was like there was a, some cool route concept that they were running in Green Bay and he like drove like 6 hours to go to Green Bay. He was like Iowa Wesleyan or something at the time to ask this coach about like how this route tree worked. And he would say like, if I saw a great high school play, I would go there and le- I, you know, it's no, whatever it is, like I want to learn how this works. And then he would incorporate that. And he, his quote was something of paraphrasing. It was like, you know, nineteen eighty nine. That was like the summer of love for for the spread offense. So, sort of like you know how it was built. You know how this all these concepts, like you said, like people there was like theories and stuff, and he like put it into practice.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, um, just look at those places. I mean, Texas Tech ha- had never and still has never won anything without Mike Leach. Um, and I, I mean, like literally just have winning seasons. Yeah. Um, Washington State has had a couple of brief moments, but for a consistency period, I don't know that there's anyone better than Leach. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty assured that uh, if he, you know, had a you know a, a justifiably longer life, um, he would have done the same at Mississippi State. Yeah. You know, I think if you give him eight more years there, uh, I think by you know <laughs> the sixth or seventh year, he's probably already being a tough out, and uh, by the end, he would have been. Winning in
1: nine ten games a year. Do you remember uh, when he first got there, he gets KJ Costello to transfer yes. in? I think they beat LSU to start the season, and yeah. everyone's like, is KJ Costello like the best quarterback in the SEC? And then, like, nope. shit kind of <laughs> fell apart after that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was just like he was always making some kind of uh, – yeah. Some, he was always making noise. He was never not interesting. You know, yeah, so he career.
0: finished um, – all told for his career 158 and 107 and never at a school that was anything other than um historically bottom half of its conference yeah so you know that's just and you know this is what he was doing at Mississippi State so he went 4 and 7 then 7 and 6 then 8 and 4 you could see it building um improvement every year um yeah no doubt they would have uh they would have eventually broken through into a potential contender there
1: One of the things, like, the best compliments you can give someone, and this is something I say to, like, my mother, um, is just, like, we're all existing in this world. Like, you and I are in this room together. Are we? Um, We are. Like, there's, you know, we're talking to people uh, that we don't know online. If you go to the grocery store, if you go get Starbucks, whatever it is, like, you're going to interact with people. And there's certain people that just whatever the interaction is, whatever you're doing, they make it better. Like you're just if you're going to be watching, a, be a fan of college football, and you hear the halftime interview, he makes your your day better because he he's going to say something that's interesting. Whatever it is, he just he made college football better. He made I mean seven on seven better. Uh, the NFL, like people, so much got better because of what he was doing. But everything he touched, it seemed to be. Um, he had his own spin on things. You might not agree with everything he said. Obviously, you can ruffle some feathers, but just made things better. And uh, I just love that. I love that about some where you just like, if you you wouldn't be worried about the interaction, like, oh man, now we got to talk to Mike Leach. Like, it's never going to be that way. It's going to be, oh, we get to talk to Mike Leach or oh, we get to like watch this game that he's in or whatever it is. It's always going to get better for whatever reason. So he's just one of those guys.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: So very sad.
0: Um, wish his family the best.
1: All right, Uh, R.I.P. Mike Leach. Thoughts and prayers. And uh, let's move on. We got some news to get to. There's actually tons of news. So like this, pretty much a whole show of news. I think we only got like yeah, my favorite kind of show. Your favorite show. All these all these notes that I put in. Um, Stanford has made a hire. They have since we talked last. Uh, His name is Troy Taylor. Zodiac killer. No, that would have been great. Uh, Do you remember? Utah's offense, couple years, yes. Troy Taylor, yes. He went to Sac State, man. Not an easy place to win. Started crushing up there, but he is your new head coach at Stanford University. Used to be a Cal quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now he's coaching Stanford. I was kind of. I was surprised to learn how old he is. He, I, I did not think he was fifty-four. We. He's fifty-four. He's fifty-four. Wow. Can I? I don't know what you mean. Could I look at this photo and like? Does he look older in the photo? Can you see the photo? I'm not uh, sure. I, well, I'll have to wait for the delay. Oh, yeah. No, he looks that age, but
0: I just thought he was younger. Like, I, and maybe it's because he's at like still the relative beginning of his coaching journey because he hasn't been a head coach uh, until uh, yeah. sex date. Anyway, um, my general sense of this one is it's a lot better than I thought they would do. Um, it's mm. a lot better of a hire than I thought they were going to go with. I thought they were going to go like Mike Bloomgren or some crap like that. Um, or <laughs> he's actually done okay at Rice. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's done okay for Rice, but it's still not really. I mean, Todd Graham won like nine games at Rice. Um, mm. It's not really good. Okay. Um, but uh, there was also the option of Jason Garrett. Stu mandel reported that as another finalist um so to to walk out of hate yeah that. To, to walk out of hated a, that. <laughs> to, to walk out of a group of finalists that probably included jason garrett and mike bloomgren and come out with troy taylor oh my God, could you have that's hated a win <laughs> that would have been so bad like it could
1: like maybe like okay so clancy pendergast and on top or, of everything
0: uh, else he's a ginger no <laughs>
1: he has no soul <laughs> um like yeah. Jack Del Rio, like all those, like yeah. Jeff Fisher, and then like Jason Garrett. That would have been yeah. like so, your four worst.
0: Uh, <laughs> would have been uh, the four horsemen. Um, but yeah, Taylor, I think, could succeed there. Um, you know, he's obviously put together a sterling record at Sac State. It's the same thing, really. Take the names away. It's the same thing as Deion Sanders. Okay, you're taking a chance. You're a bottom half Pac 12 team, and you're taking a chance on a really good FCS. Okay, that's fine. That makes sense. That's a process that makes sense to me. You're taking a chance on a guy who's a good coach, and you're hoping he recruits well enough and does the whole thing. But it's the same principles that brought Jim Harbaugh from you know San Diego. That was D2, but it's the same thing. Um, you, you hope it works. You hope it translates. And if it isn't, you're probably not out that much money. I mean, what are they paying him? $3 million a year probably? Um, it's probably not much more.
1: Um, like a third of what you pay David.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, – I like it. I think it's the approach a lot of uh, schools should take more with their coaching hires. Don't try for a big name that's going to cost you a lot of money. Who's also not a proven quantity. Jason Garrett is. Jason Garrett has never coached college football ever at any level. I I am I'm, I'm baffled by a process that elicits him as your as one of your finalists in this day and age. Um, but uh, Troy Taylor, that makes sense. You'll see if it works, and if it doesn't, you're probably not out that much money, and then you can try again. Yeah. That's the way you got to think about college football hires. It's you're not you're not marrying somebody you're dating. And so, you know, date this guy. He's, you know, he's not going to cost you that much money. You're not going to have to
1: pay for two expensive dinners and then if it doesn't work out, you can dump him and date somebody else. Nice. He was a 30 and 8 at Sac State. Uh, they scored 41 points a game. He was number 4, the number 4 offense in FCS, so that's pretty good. Uh I think the goal is to bring Stanford's offense to more modern you know, more 21st century. I think you will like that. Uh, that's something you would like. Um, he said he wants every, so very different than uh, Coach Prime, who said basically like all you are expendable, go to the portal, I don't give a shit. He was like, I want every player to come back. Now that's not been happening. There's a lot of players in the portal already. We'll get the portal stuff, but, um, and he's going to be calling the plays. So he'll be the head coach calling plays. And, uh, you know, I think that's not a bad thing there. Um, but yeah, he wants everyone to come back. And it was funny cause he was asked about like, obviously Stanford got one transfer in last year. And if you remember the RJ Abadia story, it was literally a dude that just called David Shaw and said, Hey, I'm already here. I played at Oklahoma last year. Can I play on your team? Like they didn't go get the transfer. The transfer just fell in their lap. So they were asked like, Hey, do you have to like modernize, you know, Stanford, he said his quote was they were perfectly positioned uh, for the new college f- positioned for the new college football landscape but said they also have to make some adjustments so if you're perfectly positioned i don't think you're going to make adjustments but yes they're going to make some major adjustments we'll see how much they do uh because they are going to be losing they're losing players already you're losing more now like the roster he gets might just suck and if you can't bring in transfers it's going to continue to suck so i don't care how good he is you're going to need to bring in players so will they change their philosophy Uh, that's the that's the biggest Uh, If I'm a Stanford fan, that's the biggest concern for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. I think also, um, you know, something that Harbaugh did early was um, installing a system that was, you know, zigging when everyone else was zagging um, that I think helped uh, differentiate Stanford, and they did it extremely well. I don't know what Troy Taylor is going to do. I don't know if he's going to run the same stuff he was doing at Sac State, what it's going to look like, but um, it's... I'm really interested in this. Like, I'm really interested to see how this goes because I don't think the – the it doesn't begin with talent acquisition at Stanford. It begins with what sort of system you're going to install because yeah. you have to be a differentiator there. Um, I don't think you're just going to get away with running the same stuff everyone else is running. Um, so I'm interested to see what that looks like. And then if that looks good – here's the thing with Stanford is, yeah, okay, transfers, the whole thing. Stanford has a unique recruiting proposition that will always get players if if they look like they have a pulse because the academics are so good that parents from all walks of life understand they would love for it. a Stanford education is a Stanford education yeah and you're going there no matter what so you have a you have reach nationally um I think people who dog the Stanford job it's it's um it's a little bit of recency bias um. And th- when it's going even semi well, they still get players. um and I mean, there were I mean, look at like the Trent Edwards years, like they still had a few guys because they guys, yeah. because they had you know, they still have that quality. um they're going to be able to recruit quarterback talent. They're going to be able to recruit offensive line. and the question is I think largely front seven defense is that's the one where. It's got to be a real confluence of circumstances to get them players. Um, and they had a good one in the beginning of you know, the last decade, 2010-ish, uh, when they started recruiting a bunch of guys. But, and also they had some steroids. Um, so <laughs> get the ROID program going again um, and install a unique system and see where this
1: goes. Nice. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see where, how that uh, plays out there. But Stanford's got their man. So we have another head coach uh, in the Pac-12 also, some uh, we had a major award in the Pac-12. We're going to talk about uh, Caleb Williams winning the Heisman Trophy. So, first time. He is man. Yeah, he, uh, he is man. First time uh, since uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, Pac-12 player, had won the Heisman. Um, three, The other three finalists were all in the college football playoff. So, that was one note that Caleb Williams won the award. But he was the only guy that wasn't in the college football playoff. What do you think, Dave? Is it good for the conference? But like, is it not that big of a deal? What do you think about all this?
0: Um, I think it's. I don't think it's a, a driver of anything, but I think it's a signal. Um, I think it's a a bellwether. Uh, it, um Caleb Williams winning it is a sign that this was a pretty good year for the Pac-12. You know, you had an 11 and one regular season USC. You had um, really good Utah, Oregon, UCLA, Oregon state teams. Um, So I think it's a, it's a affirmation of what we all saw. I don't know that it signals anything for the future, except that if uh, Caleb Williams is coming back, correct? Yeah. He's a, he was a true sophomore. True sophomore. So, um, he said a year or two. He's not transferring again? He's not. He said a year or two.
1: which I don't think he's coming for two. No, probably not.
0: Uh, but he's coming back. So you've got a sophomore no. who just won the Heisman who's coming back. Um, so that's all obviously... these Michael Penix finished in the top 10. Yep. Um, so I, this me. is an interesting one. So everyone got on board the Penix bandwagon for the Heisman, which is really interesting to me because I would have said Bo Nix uh, had a better claim to it. Um And was clearly much more essential to his team's um, uh, success. Because as soon as he, you know, had a leg injury, uh, that team went in the tank. Um, But I would have, I would have liked to have seen Bo Nix finish higher. um, Because I think, and maybe it was a little bit of um, too much information. People had watched a little too much Bo Nix at Auburn. And so they just couldn't um, get on board with it. But his numbers, like his underlying numbers were better than Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix had the grand
1: yardage total. Right. Um he led the nation in passing yards, right?
0: Yeah, but like that's I don't know. Um I, I look at those like kind of total stats as a little bit misleading. Um mm-hmm. you know, Nix was also a very, very dynamic runner. Um so I don't know. Anyway, it's good for the Pac twelve that there was another uh Pac-Twelve final or Pac twelve top ten guy or whatever. Um it means people were noticing and paying attention to the Pac twelve in a way. And I I missed Washington Washington also having a very good team this year 10 and 2 so um yeah I mean it's good it's but I think it's again it's just um confirmation of what we all watch this year rather than like a signal for the future except to say Phoenix and, and Williams are both coming back and I don't think we've heard anything on Bo Nix I no, think he's eligible to come back too I
1: think he's leaning to coming back from what I've heard but I don't know for sure what's going on there but um I you know my ballot, I I love to have West Coast representation on there. I had the first two. I thought Max Duggan was great this year at TCU. I had him second. I had Caleb Williams first, but I put uh, Michael Penix at uh, third. Um, just kind of give it a little more West Coast uh, flair. But yeah, it's cool that he finished in the top ten. Um, if Bo Nix comes back, he come. You know, I mean, and you know, there's always going to be transfers. Um, but yeah, those. I mean, those three guys weren't. You know, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Caleb Williams weren't in the conference I mean, last year. Yeah, think about this. <laughs> it's like, like that's crazy. What <laughs> was it two years ago where we were
0: like, oh my god, the state of quarterback play in the Pac-12 is horrible. It was. Um, and now, I mean, I think you could make a case really easily if Bo Nix comes back that there are three legit Heisman contenders at quarterback in the Pac-12 next year, like legit ones. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's not counting you know what could be done at other spots. I mean, there's you know there's. There's potential at some other p- programs as well, but three known quantities coming back who are all elite players at that position is a really, really good situation for the conference to be in in its last year of existence. Yeah.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh, but there's also some other awards. I think Caleb Williams won like the Maxwell Award. But just I wanted to get to like, the Pac-12 Awards. I don't know if you had any thoughts on this. Um, Caleb Williams ends up being the uh, Offensive Player of the Year Tuli Tui who led the nation in sacks, uh, was the def- defensive player of the year. So you got the defensive player of the year on the you know one of the worst defenses, <laughs> back 12 which is a little different. Um, but the offensive freshman of the year, Damon Martinez, uh, he was just an absolute stud. Uh, for, on the defensive side, the defensive freshman of the year, uh, the Utah linebacker uh, Landon Bart- uh, Lander Barton, he was great. The coaches they shared it. Uh, Kalen DeBoer at Washington and Jonathan Smith at uh Oregon State and then we got all the first team second team I mean there was last year like you would have you know what who was the first team was it uh Keaton Slovis or something was like first team quarterback now you get like DTR being left off and uh Bo Nix being left off um stuff like that is kind of crazy but anything from the awards the Pac-12 awards that you just like that didn't make any sense to me or you liked or whatever um I mean, uh, there's
0: always stuff on the margins. I didn't hate really any of it. I think if you were looking at it broadly, like if you're looking at, okay, who are the best offenses in the league, um, it's a little bit silly that UCLA only had two players on the first and the second team offense, but at the same time, besides Zach Charbonnet and Antonio Maffei, who are you putting in? Um, it's just, it was kind of like an aggregate thing. Like yeah. in total, these parts worked well together. Um, I think... Uh, Oregon State only having two second team linemen I think is a mistake. Um Oregon State's offensive line was better than that. Um and nobody's judging offensive line correctly ever. I mean, these are are these voted on by the media or the These are the coaches that vote on these ones. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that's the SIDs. Um so yeah. one of these Oregon State offensive linemen probably should have been first team pick one, don't care. Um but other than that, I mean, I don't think it was in Roma Dunze as a as a first as a first team wide receiver is a little bit surprising to me probably would have gone dorian singer there um defensively i mean i think it's um you know it was such a mixed bag this year but uh oregon state had uh arguably the best defense in the league and they only had three on the first or second team yeah. defense i just think there probably were some issues with um how we're grading or judging these things that you know usc and ucla have anybody in the first or second team defense <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's fine it's the same crap as always
1: yeah we had um i think it was uh Dustiny in the chat wants to go lu- about the lou grozo award or whatever lou grozo award
0: yeah cardi in the usa that is the he didn't is win the, that
1: though yeah but that's the um
0: that's the uh it's the, the kicker No, what you're who you're talking about is the Zodiac killer.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, but um, he didn't win. You want us to talk about an award he that the Stanford guy didn't win? It went to uh, you know what he shouldn't have done? Shouldn't have missed that extra point, Christopher Dunn. Otherwise, it would have been a Cardi in the USA. Congrats to Christopher Dunn from uh, NC State. One of my favorite kickers. I never. I've I've always been a big fan of Christopher Dunn. Yeah, never heard of him. Don't know about him, but yeah uh very cool all right um let's see what else do we want to uh get to oh we got to talk a little bit of uh we got to talk some coach prime coach prime yeah uh it's uh recruiting's picking up Mm -hmm. transfer portal stuff picking up uh any thoughts on uh i'm curious to see how this plays out because he's not been he's someone that just is like a self-promoter obviously he's rubbed people the wrong way which i don't quite get but um if he's gonna be like I don't talk to the media I just talk to my own camera crew and then you guys could get stuff out of that that'll be a little bit weird but what I don't know what are any initial thoughts from uh the first couple weeks of coach prime I mean he's getting them involved in a lot of situations
0: a lot of recruiting situations that they wouldn't have been involved in under Carl Durrell that's for sure that's for goddamn sure um And uh, we'll have to see. I mean, it's the same. I think we're still in the wait and see. I think he's made some good coach hires for sure. Um, I think that's been impressive so far. Um, And he's still coaching Jackson State through this weekend. So um, I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more fireworks potentially starting this weekend. I think they're going to have a. what I was reading correctly. They're going to have a pretty big recruiting weekend this coming weekend. Um, He's going to finish the Celebration Bowl and then be there. Um, so I think they're hoping to close on some guys and then, um, head into February and potentially, um, land some bigger fish. But, you know, I think, uh, we're not going to know the whole story until probably after spring ball, um, for Deion Sanders at Colorado for 2023, because I think they're going to hit the transfer portal hard right now, but I think they're also going to do the next round after, um, spring practice. Cause that's when
1: the next window is right. Uh, pe- people can enter the portal again heading into the summer. Yeah, there's – so it's like a – was it um 60-day one or something? Or is it 45-day window yeah, yeah. this time, I think? I like um, the window idea, and I think it works a lot better for everyone, and it makes it um more of an event for us to cover. You know what? The, let me, like, a little mini rant here. December's too fucking crowded right now. Yeah. Stop this. Like, go back to the old signing day. Right now, like, you're a head coach, so you get, you know – You're traveling for award shows or you're getting ready for your bowl game. Well, the portal opens up. You got to recruit the guys that are on your team. You got to go try to get other people. And if you've got
0: a bowl game this weekend, you can't use this for visits. Like, That's the really shitty part. Like, yeah. if you're Jonathan
1: Smith, you can't have official visits this you're getting because ready You're, for your you're bowl getting game. ready for your bowl game. And guess what? Signing day is just around the corner. Like, you, this is a huge, like, there's too much going on right now. Like, yeah. stop the signing period because the portal is like its own signing period, that's its own thing. And you're doing a disservice to all these high school players that are like, hey, man, I'm signing with this school. And then all of a sudden, they get like two, du- you're a linebacker, and they get like two linebackers out of the portal. They're like, oh, that kind of sucks. Uh, it's just gonna. I think you're making this worse. You're creating more portal traffic by piling this all together. I can't believe they haven't fixed this yet. I, you know, we've known about this for a couple of years, uh, but now you got the portal window. I think coaches are pushed back. Like, look, this is just too much. Um,
0: what it should be is there should be um, there should be two portal windows. Still, I like that, but make it so it's after the final after the national championship game is the when the portal opens. So that incentivizes guys to still participate in their bowl games mm. and not to say that guys. Still shouldn't opt out if they feel like it. Go ahead. But you've seen a couple situations where guys are going into bowl games and like Keaton Slovis elected to transfer because he wanted to enter the portal early enough to get interest, right? Yeah. But (laughs) is he going to participate in their bowl game? It creates this awkward thing. UCLA has a couple of guys who entered the portal, including their kicker, who's going to participate in the bowl game, but he's in the portal right now interesting um so there's just weird stuff that's created because guys want to get their names in so they can be contacted to you know start to iron out options while still preparing for bowl games it's um an unintended consequence i think of when they were setting up these windows because they were not anticipating it being guys who are part of successful teams integral part of successful teams yeah so set that after the national championship game make it whatever january 10th or whatever the day is um and then have it still be the 45 day window however long it is that they can sign after signing day what's that what's high school recruits after signing day how long can they still sign
1: i don't i think it's there just might not a first even be day. a limit there's a first day it's not like um the the signing period was just like you can sign at that point but you couldn't sign before so set the transfer portal window and you don't even need to sign you can just like come to campus and sign a, or so, get a so make it a 30 day agreement
0: 30 day window after January 10th or whatever it is um, for them to sign and then people know their roster is going into spring ball they do spring ball you realize you're fifth on the death chart then you have another period to uh to enter the transfer portal heading into whatever mid-june uh and then everyone has their rosters set there's no ability to add more players at that point and that's all fair and equitable um it's i agree with you on december it's stupid so go back to the it's old too si- much in december old high school signing period because yes. january official visits were great for players because they got to Get it done after their seasons. I mean, because you want, you don't want to destroy high school football while you're doing all of this. And some guys are in this unfair position where they're like, do I skip my high school game to go on this official visit? Right. Or do I not do this official visit that I want to do to a school that is, you know, enticing to me? Um, so just change it. Change it back. The transfer portal window allows teams to build rosters in real time, and you still have the high school thing in February. But go
1: back to the old thing. Yeah. They need to go back. This blows. I hate it. Go back to the old way. There's just too much going on uh, in December right now. Um, So Deion Sanders did hire Jackson State offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach uh, Brett Bartolone. Uh, He's the wide receiver coach. They brought him in. Uh, Defensive coordinator Charles Kelly – so he was the associate defensive coordinator and safeties coach at Alabama. Chip Kelly. Uh Charles Kelly. Uh not him. Same guy. Uh Sean so this is the bigger one. Sean Lewis. I don't know if you've seen uh he's going to come in as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, we
0: talked about this last week if you
1: remember. Yeah, Kent State head coach. Yep. So that flash fast offense. So his I think his staff is pretty complete or almost complete. Yep, coming together. Okay. Um we also got a hire from uh Cal. Uh Jake's Bobby Tal. Yeah. He's the offensive coordinator. So yeah. he was he was uh the Bears OC in two thousand sixteen when Cal led the Pac twelve in offense. Yeah, no, it's a legit hire. You like it? Yeah, I think offensive that's a good coordinator one. at was- uh West Virginia. Yeah
0: yeah this is a good hire um he was not successful as the texas state head coach um no. coming back to be an offensive coordinator i think that is his level um he is a uh, he's a he's a good offensive coordinator um he was pretty good at texas a and m um and uh, i have no doubt he will help to modernize cal if justin wilcox allows it will he he's a Did defensive you- coach who obviously has a ton of influence on his offense. Um, obviously, I mean, he made. Right. Um, I mean, w- what did he have? He had Bo Baldwin that one year
1: as the coordinator, yeah. and uh, it looked well, it like back, d- it looked like way.
0: Dookie uh, again. Um, so uh, he obviously has a ton of influence on that. I'm hoping Spavital has enough juice to make this happen because he's a, you know, kind of a classic. Um, He was a Malzahn guy, but he also has some air raid to him. Um, So there's uh, this
1: will be a modern offense if um, if Wilcox allows it. Yeah. Speaking of Bo Baldwin, he's at Arizona State now. Yep. Uh, Which when he when he was hired, you felt like wow they had a really fun offense at Eastern Washington, I believe it was, and uh, it just never worked. But yeah, how much is that that you know that Wilcox was kind of controlling what he could do um interesting to see he goes with Kenny Dillingham who he could call the plays if if Baldwin sucks Just like get out of here I'm going to call the plays um it's funny if you you probably you know that Monday night football game uh the Patriots were playing and you know you got Mac Jones the former Alabama quarterback and uh Bill Belichick basically took a defensive coach and made him the the offensive play caller and you could see last week like Mac Jones was uh just yelling they they captured it like they could read his run lips. The,
0: what was it run the fucking ball or pass no
1: no no ball. it was like throw he, basically they were just throwing quick stuff he's like enough with the, it was something like enough of the quick stuff throw the ball downfield like they just were doing and then it was I forget there was a coach it might have been from the Cardinals I forget who it was uh And he was like, yeah, it basically looked like. So, an opposing coach said this in one of the interviews. Opposing coach said, yeah, it looks like if a defensive player was calling the plays, like that's what it would be, which is exactly what it was. You know, it's like if a defensive coach is like controlling the offense, here's what you want it to be short passes here, quick, you know, run the ball. And it's like, that's not, you know, it's like the exact opposite of the way offenses are going. Uh, The Patriots end up, you know, winning last night, but they had like a defensive score and stuff like that. But they're more of a, you know, win with defense. But, That's the kind of feel you get, right? When there's like a defensive coach sort of controlling what the offense is doing. They're not allowing the offense to do all the stuff it could do because you're trying, you're thinking more from the defensive side of the ball. Right. Yep. Uh, Speaking of Arizona State, uh, they hired in the conference Washington State defensive coordinator Brian Ward. Uh, So Jake Dickert's going to call a defense for the LA Bowl that we're going to preview in a little bit. And uh, they all, Washington State lost the. the linebacker Henley and then a couple of their best receivers. So they've a couple guys, they've they've lost a bunch from the portal. Uh, but Dickert's gonna call the defense. Um, and he's gonna coach linebackers, I believe, but because Ward is is going with Dillingham to uh Tempe. They also hired uh Jason Mons to coach the tight ends. The uh he's a Arizona, you know, high school quarterback. I mean high school coach. We're going legend. with Mons there. What? We're going with Mons, Mons there. Is it Mons? Oh, I what? don't know. I don't know how to I kind of want to go with Moans. Moans? Yep. <laughs> Jason Moans. Uh, Segura High School, he won seven state titles there. So uh, if you want, follow Chris Cartman, he's all over all these hires. I think ASU's got their full staff put together now from Dillingham. But he's like one of the most legend. you know, just as far as high school coaches go in Arizona, he's legendary. And uh, so bringing him on staff obviously helps for recruiting. You want Arizona State to be able to recruit the, you know so much more talent in Arizona uh obviously that's going to help to get a guy like that but seven state titles under your belt that's pretty good so looks like Dillingham as a young coach putting together a really good staff uh, at ASU and really trying to lock down
0: Arizona in a way that I don't know that coaches have necessarily prioritized over the years you've got a lot of outsiders who've been hired in Arizona um in the recent past um Dillingham's an insider and the hope here I think is with you know Phoenix becoming a pretty good talent hotbed um that you can lock down that talent um and and lock down the state in a way that hasn't been done before. So I'm interested to see if that happens. Um if uh if hiring all of these, you know, basically high school legends, I mean, because you've still got Iguano on staff who is also a high school coaching legend down there, um yeah. see if it works. Um I, I think it's worth trying. I mean, with uh, for whatever reason, Arizona has not. Neither Arizona school has been able to retain Arizona talent. Um, and if one of those schools can figure it out, um, there's a there's a there's a real program to be built down there.
1: Yeah. Um, we still got a bunch of news to get to. We only have a few questions. I'm going to take a quick break right now. We'll come back in a minute and uh, finish up all the crazy Pac-12 news, transfer portal stuff, coaching moves. And then we'll get to some of your questions. If you're in the chat, if you're watching us live on YouTube, put a question in the chat to put question to start, and we'll uh, try to answer those as well. But back in a minute. All right, we're back. Oh, if you're watching on YouTube, how was your break? That was quick, right? Was that fast? Uh, my break was good. How was yours? It's all right. I went. I, t- I went for a quick run. <laughs> no, yeah. Showered. Hey, I tried uh, to get some other work done. Um, didn't happen. Published a few me. stories. Yeah, yeah. Published a few things. Nice. Uh, for Oregon, so because they lost uh, Kenny Dillingham, they hired Will Stein, yep. um, the offensive coordinator, to be the offensive coordinator. He's from uh, UTSA. Yep. Uh, out of the conference USA, but they had a fun offense. I yeah, we, banging higher. Another really good one, I think, yeah. from uh,
0: from Landanning. I like it. So nice job, Landanning. Still, no, that won't work. No, still wine. I guess still wine works. Still wine.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about the offensive coordinator that much, but um, but yeah, we can work I every mean, once in a while.
0: Denny Killingham is now a head coach, so we got to prepare for the idea that still wine is going
1: to be too. Denny Killingham. Nice job. I don't think I don't remember that one using it that much, but
0: no, I just started it last week. Oh, okay, you've got such a bad memory of last week. I was hungover. I, hung think, over I last think it was week.
1: because you were still drunk last week. No, I I was like I drank too much. Then I got up early and worked out, and then I took a nap, like before nine a.m. Before this, yeah, and yeah. I just felt like crap. Yeah, when I did the show, so expect that about you. Yeah, I, I still I, I bring it though for the show that we don't get paid for. Uh, Michael Penix, we are talked about that. He's coming back. He used the unfinished business line too. Yeah, uh, Caleb all, Williams yeah. did that one. It's Kind of like overused, but uh, yeah, it's good good news there. Unfortunately for Utah, Dalton Kin-tay- Kincaid is going to skip the Rose Bowl and prepare for the NFL draft. Uh, there was some kind of an injury that you know he had kind of been banged up later in the season, but he announced on social media he's not coming back. So that's unfortunate because he's been such a great player for the Utes.
0: Yep, that is unfortunate, um, and it will obviously impact um, the. Uh, Rose Bowl, however, uh, Mm -hmm. Utah is uh, a tight end factory, and so I have no doubt uh, they will be fine because, uh, like, I think Thomas Yasmin was his name. Um, I think... uh, Transfer from... Yeah, uh, he's still haunting uh, the dreams of, um, who was it, Kalen Bullock? Yeah, yeah, that was was a crazy one.
1: Did he come from, like, San Diego or something? No, wait, was that Kincaid? Kincaid maybe came from...
0: uh no from? uh thomas yasmin came from did kincaid come from the lower level i thought he did yasmin is the one who's australian uh oh
1: well, yeah you know no, no.
0: kincaid came from a lower level i don't think it was san diego
1: though okay uh yeah all right so kincaid won't be playing but like you said it's just like oregon state losing a running back like yeah they got more
0: wait it was it was san diego you're right i'm wrong this is so rare
1: no. it's pretty much always uh <laughs> I don't know if this has happened before, David. Have you ever seen like Stanford get a player that's like really good, be like a captain or something, and then he like transfers to another Pac twelve program like Levante Dumani, like That yeah. never happens. No. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> he's going to he's going to Utah because they need more linebacker help. Uh yeah. That's a it's just you know, your Troy Taylor taking over, like oh, like my, I think he was the leading tackler, right? Um, yeah. Comp- team yeah. captain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know the the specifics, but probably he can't get into grad school, and he's going to go to Utah instead. So, oh, great, we get to play them. And we uh,
0: keep hearing that. I don't know how true it is that these guys are not allowed to get into grad school at Stanford. I think it's part of it, but I think the yeah. real part of it is I've already got my Stanford undergraduate degree. Let me go somewhere else where I can win playing football. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't know how much of this is actually like, oh yeah, they never let anybody into grad school. Mm-hmm. Like they had a lot of fifth year players back in the day. Were those guys all still working on their undergraduate degrees? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. People act like this just because of like the COVID rules or whatever, that it's like impossible now to be a fifth year player and or to to get into grad school at so many different schools. It's not true. It never has been. Stanford had so many fifth year guys all the time. Those guys were not all still working on their history degrees. They were doing something. They were working
1: on a master's in education or some crap. Yeah, they did something. Uh, You know, good point there. But it's it's changed now. I guess it's a good excuse to leave. You get your degree. Yeah, no, it's just.
0: But it's just excuse making. It's the the nature of college football didn't change just suddenly. Yeah, like these guys still did have to hang out and go to school, and they weren't still working all of them on their communications degrees. They don't take that long.
1: Uh, Justin Flo, you remember him? Mm -hmm. He's in the portal. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Not like. The the recruiting hype hasn't matched his production. I guess he's been hurt a lot.
0: Yeah, he's had a lot of injuries. Um, this year was probably his first time really on the field for an extended period of time, and he didn't look great. But that was it. Um, before that, it
1: was all injuries. Yeah. Speaking of team captains, um, Arizona State. Like, if you want to like just watch the portal there, like, there's influx. There's uh, there's they're going in. They're going out. Uh, but Ladarius Henderson, uh, best offensive lineman, multi year starter, team captain. He's going to Michigan. He wants to be in a playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's a tough one. So I There's when you get a new coach and you're going to like change the culture, like coach prime is going to go in there and cut guys and stuff. And you try to get the guys that are like good enough to stay, right? And obviously like Henderson's really good and I think Dillingham would be trying to do the same thing, but ASU is losing some some guys that are like legit, and then you're going to lose some guys that are just like new culture, new team, whatever. Yeah. And move on. You just got to try to limit those like difference maker players. Keep them around if you can. Um, but you know that's going to be a tough one.
0: Yeah, so. and some guys are going to leave pretty much immediately. But I think you still recruit your own portal hard. Um, because yes, I think it's the new um, it's the new coaching hire tendency, which is like if the new coach comes in, you have you have nothing to lose by entering the portal you get more attention, and make your new guy recruit you again. Yeah. But I think that's the reality is see if you can recruit those guys back. They're already familiar with the school. I, I would say largely uh, most guys like the familiar. Um, yeah. And if you can give them a good enough pitch, like ASU's got, I think, four of their defensive linemen in the portal right now. <sighs> see if you can get those guys back because you're yeah. not going to get four new, good defensive linemen in the portal. It's really it's hard. A- yeah. So just see if you can land your guys back. But – I think it's just the simple reality of the thing is that um, – and I think the same goes for Stanford too. I mean, I think if Troy Taylor can go at them and give them a good pitch, maybe you get some of those guys back.
1: Yeah. Uh, Arizona, wide receiver Dorian Singer. We talked about that last week. Did we talk week. about that last week? Yep, yeah, yep, we so sure did. The one that uh, got in a little scuffle yep. with Jane Delora. Uh, a couple offensive linemen for Stanford too, uh, Miles Hinton and uh, Drake Nugget. Yeah, Nugget. Yep, Ted Nugent. In the portal. Yeah. Ted In the portal. Uh, there's also – there have been some early NFL declarations. So do you remember uh, former Colorado cornerback Christian Gonzalez? He was awesome. Uh, he transferred to Oregon. I think he's a sophomore, but really just because of the COVID year. He's going to the NFL. Kai Blue Kelly, uh, the Stanford cornerback. I, they listed him as a senior, but I think he had a year of eligibility going to corner Tanner uh, to um, the cornerback going to the NFL Tanner McKee Uh, we thought he might transfer because he didn't really have like the tape everyone talked about him being an NFL quarterback but he didn't play why would
0: you want to play any more college football after getting sacked like 75 times this year because
1: you could go like what if he went to Oregon State
0: yeah what are they what's Jonathan Smith going to do he's got probably trauma from dealing with college coaches (laughs) oh wow my my head head coach my head coach actually changed his entire coaching philosophy just to abuse me like he decided to start the slow mesh literally just so i could get hit more he actually has a vendetta against me what will this next guy do to me no no i'm gonna go to the nfl where these guys you know are more professional and won't have a personal vendetta against me um yeah, but he didn't have a good year, so I don't think he's going to get drafted. If he does, it's going to be late round.
1: I that would just make so much more sense to go go to like Oregon State, where you could. I mean, hell, go he, to, he, go to UCLA. Like, I don't he care. He
0: massively regressed as a prospect this year, right? Um, so you got to like
1: rebuild your image. Yeah, uh,
0: I mean, I would say like, I mean, last year was decent enough, I guess. I think it was more that he just kind of fit the prototype. You know, he's got the size and all that kind of stuff. But I I don't know who's in his ear telling him he's a he's a. Uh, surefire nfl prospect right now yeah because i
1: i can't see it he doesn't put enough good film out there true uh but he's in the he's going to the nfl luke musgrave uh my guy at oregon state the tight end uh, he's a junior going to the nfl Tavion thomas we already knew about that the utah running back he, he opted out of the pac-12 championship game and then uh clark phillips the third i don't know what year he is i think he was probably a junior um He's going to the NFL as well. Yeah, he's, so. he's a true junior. True junior. Okay, yeah. So uh, those are the guys that I just had noted um, kind of going into this. Yep. Yeah. Uh, now we got to do some previews. We've got some previews, everyone. Yeah, we have like actual, actual, actual games yep. to talk about uh, coming up this week. You know what would be cool? What? So you have like this whole season, right? I got the, the Pac 12 2020 schedule in front season. of me. There's a full season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Thirteen weeks, everyone gets a bye week. It's like, you know, some weeks there's a Thursday game or there's a Friday game, which is kind of cool. They're all off by themselves. And then sometimes we get like three late games or whatever. But you know, once the bowl season comes around, we bet we got like a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Spread it all out. Yeah. Just watch like yeah. watch all the games. Certainly nothing conflicting
0: with Why? each other. Like nothing no. at the same time.
1: I mean, if you're gonna say, let's do, I don't know, December 17th, let's have a couple of you know what we could do? We could have two Pac 12 teams play on December 17th.
0: Yeah, you know? but have them at, because it's only two, you could have them at like wildly different times, right? Right.
1: I would, you would think you could have a morning game or a night game or like afternoon, whatever you want to do. Cause there's not another Pac 12 game for like 11 days yeah, after yeah. this. So, so, like, condensing
0: them into like a single time slot would be insane. Right. Like, it's just a waste of uh, everyone's
1: eyeballs. <laughs> But that's what we got, people. Yeah, baby. Um, and one of them got moved to
0: make this happen. The Vegas Bowl was originally going to be 430.
1: Yeah. Well, that was, like, because of the Raiders or Yeah, whatever. Like Who gives a shit? All right. Well, the all. first, technically, the first game, even though they're, like, back-to-back, like, right on top of each other, we got number 14. Oregon State Beavers. Taking on the Florida Gators.
0: doo Go, Gators! Doo-doo-doo-doo.
1: Nice.
0: Eleven thirty a.m. on ESPN. Six and six, Florida, major underdog taking on number fourteen, Oregon State, in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Oregon State is a ten point favorite. Mm. Uh, so Oregon State doesn't have a quarterback, but it hasn't mattered for several weeks. True, they do have like just about a million running backs, including the offensive freshman of the year, Damian Martinez. Yeah, it's um, stud. Uh, their defense is legit legit as hell maybe the best florida maybe effectual. has some guys we're not going to do any research but florida may have lost some guys uh already to transfer portal or whatever um they were also like big ass for most of the last part of the year um they uh they lost to vanderbilt in their second to last game vanderbilt hmm. vanderbilt give me those beavers
1: yeah uh florida is not good not good um now they got some athletes, right? But I feel like even though Oregon State's away from home, what did what happened last year? I'm going to look this up real quick. Do you remember? Because I think I was like bullish going in Oregon State. Um, I think they lost. They did. I think everybody in the Pac twelve lost, right? Uh, they played Utah State in the bowl game and lost twenty four thirteen in yeah. the L A Bowl. Yeah, that's a little concerning, right? That's a little bit concerning. Uh, I remember literally nothing about this football game. Finished the season, uh, three-game win streak. They had lost that close one to Washington. I'm talking about this year. The The
0: only thing I remember is that at the beginning of the season, you were trying to tell me how horrible Utah State was because their opener was against. Hang on.
1: Hang they on. were supposed to be bad. No, the yeah, you beginning beat, of the season I said they were bad, Yeah, and then but they were op- really good. Their opener good. was
0: against Washington State, and they won at Washington State. Yeah. And but, you were trying to tell me all preseason how horrible they were, and then they went 11-3. and three. Yeah. But anyway, they beat you Oregon State in the Yeah, game.
1: and Oregon State's covered the last three. Actually, four or five. I think they covered their last six games. Yeah, they've covered, yeah, since the Stanford game, they covered against Washington State. Covered against Colorado, covered against Washington, Oregon, uh, Cal, ASU, Oregon—they're a covered machine right now. So give me, give me the Beavs. I'm going to go along with you, even though I need to try to catch up. Uh, I like the Beavs in this spot. Uh, tends a lot, but I'm going to take uh, the Beavers in this one. Yep. And then uh, the the second bowl game, which starts like five minutes later, Washington State Cougars
0: <laughs> uh, taking on the Fresno State Bulldogs that's uh again because bulldogs are disgusting fucking foul creatures um <laughs> 12 30
1: really pissed off some <laughs> some people <laughs> 12 30
0: p.m on abc uh washington state taking on fresno state so if you didn't check in on fresno state after the usc game so we saw um jay caner apparently like just die on the field like he was done he came back like two weeks later <laughs> and it was totally they did, fine they brought out the gun like you know what you do for a horse the his <laughs> yeah, leg yeah. they're like should
1: we take him on a cart or just hey. shoot him and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah just take him on a cart i guess like you sure i want to shoot him like no <laughs> and he's back
0: um uh, so they started the season really bad uh they were one and four uh with losses at usc at connecticut and at boise state and then they won uh eight straight Uh, including um, uh, avenging their loss to Boise State, 28-16. Jay Kaner came back, and they were a much different team, much better. Uh, Their offense improved. Uh, Jeff Tedford is a wizard. Um, Washington State, uh, good defense most of the time. Didn't look very good in the Apple Cup. um, No. They're already losing some pieces uh give me fresno state absolutely no question about it in my mind um stone cold lock uh jeff tedford is a genius and also this will most likely be a fresno state home game
1: yeah this is tough man because like
0: you really need to catch up with me but you can't fault my logic at all no i like your logic here
1: uh i do you can't fault it you try uh, to but you mountain can't. west mountain west champs mm-hmm uh Washington State lost uh two of their receivers. Right? Let's mm-hmm. let's pull up what Washington State did at the end of the season. Let's just like let's see if I can convince myself. Uh, you know, but you know, losing uh one of your better linebackers. Um
0: so know. they're they they lost at USC against Oregon State and against Utah. The three wins came against three of the basement dwellers in the Pac 12, Stanford. Arizona State in Arizona and then got absolutely absolutely smoked by Washington in the Apple Cup.
1: Yeah, it was uh, 51-33.
0: Basically the story of their season is beating a lot of crappy teams and losing to literally everyone with a pulse.
1: Yeah, they went on the road and beat Arizona. Um you know, that's pretty good. You know what I'm going to do? You're going to go opposite? I'm going I'm going to go opposite. Damn. I'm going to rest in peace, Ryan's Picks. This will, this will, so let all know going to the last game. Am I down one, or am I down three? Give me those Cougs Yeah, wow. Going in, I'm getting three points.
0: Do you so, do, do you disagree that this is going to be a Fresno State home game? No, like it's going to be like fifteen thousand in like
1: just a sea of Fresno State. They travel, yeah, for sure. Uh, but they Washington State went to Arizona. It was a very uh, feisty game there a lot of emotions jaden Delora, it didn't matter um yeah i i like i like uh jake dickert in this spot mm-hmm. just cuz i need it mm-hmm. i would normally pick for President state but i'm going to take i'm going to take the points i'm going to take washington state here wow love it yeah uh that's that's uh, good stuff there um all right you know just real quick our final power rankings. Do we want to adjust them after the bowl games, or do pretty you don't much? know what Jeff Tedford's record in bowl games is? Um, it's very bad. Seven and three. Okay, it's good. Yep. You know what Jake Dicker's record in bowl games is? What? Did he, I don't think did they make it last year? They might have made one last year. Let me see real quick. I'll pull it up. Uh, they went. Did I, I didn't write it down. They went seven and five. Did they not go to a bowl? They must have gone to a bowl. Right. Oh, oh no, that was last. They lost a, the Sun Bowl. Yes, Central Michigan. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. We both took them. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. But now I'm getting points. Yep, you sure are. I like that. Uh, all right. Undefeated well, in bowl games at Fresno State, Jeff Tedford. Nice. So power rankings. Are we going to adjust them again? Do we? Are they this thing anymore? Like, should we, we going to adjust them post? I don't, I don't know. I think we'll adjust them maybe after the whole thing. After the whole thing? Okay. Yeah. Um. Right now we have Utah, USC, Washington, Oregon State, Oregon, UCLA, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Stanford, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Probably won't change that much, but no, probably not. That's sort of where we are. Uh, we have a couple questions. We have a voicemail. All right, let me play it for you.
0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, just kind of wondering with the the three teams this year in the Pac-12 that you know typically have the most talent with. Washington, Oregon, USC. I was wondering uh, which one of those three teams surprised you the most with how they came out this year. I know not all of them were necessarily in a full-on rebuild, but it seemed like they're in bad spots in uh, 2021 a little bit. So I'm just curious which, which of the three surprised you the most. Thanks, guys. Okay, uh, great question. Um, so Washington, I had as a seven and five team, and they went ten and two. So that's probably my answer right there. I also had Oregon as a 7 and 5 team and they went 9 and 3, which is not the same as 10 and 2. Uh and I had USC as a 9 and 3 team that went 11 and 1. So I would say Washington surprised me the most. Uh let's
1: see. I had Washington at uh also 7 and 5. Right? And what did you have Oregon at? Uh I had Oregon 8 so and 4. I had Oregon at eight and four, yeah, and so then, a little better than you and u s c you had what ten and two I had nine and three, I think,
0: okay, so we had basically the same, so your answer is also Washington, yeah, I
1: would say washington um a little bit uh yeah a little yeah. bit a little bit more surprising that he was able to turn around that quick i mean to to go you know to be ten to win ten games, um you know, pretty impressive there, so
0: yeah, I would say all three um. I think you've got to be happy with the job the head coaches did. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, obviously Jonathan Smith and Kalen DeBoer were the clear favorites for the Coach of the Year Award. But uh, Riley and um, and uh, Land Danning were
1: in the next tier down. Yeah. But they were up there too. Um, it's going to be harder for those. Like if you expect Oregon and USC to have a lot more talent than, you know. I think Riley could have won if they won the Pac-12. But outside of that. I don't yep. think so. so. is the only question. This one text message. I think so. Yeah. Do you want to read that? All right. This
0: is a text message. I think you guys misunderstood my text. No one debates that Caleb was hurt during the game. Just that the announcers blew it out of proportion. I guess that's what happened when a bunch of prima, uh bunch if, bunch of I'm guessing, privileged prima donnas. I'm guessing, get on the field. Is it if privileged prima? Well, prima is spelled wrong, and it's if instead of of. But I'm, I'm, you know, I can, I can translate. Okay, David, I am not surprised that Utah fans thought you were a USC fan. I corrected them when I saw that online, but I should have let it go because you obviously love being USC's bitch boy. Maybe oh. when your rival fails miserably, you can tease them instead of punching the other fan base down. Maybe I just don't understand the culture at a basketball school. Extend Chip Kelly and have fun playing Iowa and Northwestern.
1: This is, Utah fans
0: Utah fans are so interesting. They're so interesting and extremely, like, and I'm not talking to you, smart Utah fan watching this, (laughs) a lot of very dumb, a lot of very, very stupid, because when I called Kyle Whittingham a blessed idiot, first, all football coaches are dumb, all of them, all (laughs) 100% of them, very stupid. Um, When I'm calling him a blessed idiot and I'm, like, happily calling him that, it's because I'm rooting for you. I want them to do well, but I also can't turn my brain off, which is something that you guys seem to have done very well <laughs> um so when I say a blessed idiot I mean it's working out for him, but he's doing stupid things and that's fine that's good mm-hmm. most football coaches are doing stupid things all the time it's fine it's not a bad thing it doesn't mean anything negative about you yeah it doesn't impugn upon your character personally um I think so- it means you disrespect their program that's what's you know it's it's but it's like it, it, what is is he is he being deified? Like what are we talking about here? We're talking about Kyle Whittingham, like the guy who's got like this vacant expression on his face half the time. Yeah, that's Kyle Whittingham on the field. That's fine. It's fine, but and he's a really good coach, but he makes stupid clock decisions. And guess what? That's also true of like uh, all but maybe one Pac-12 coach consistently and regularly. It's just it's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um So. I truly don't understand any of this. Like, and also the like the USC thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe listen to like any other show besides last one if you want to listen to my thoughts on yeah USC. That uh, that was
1: like the weirdest thing. It's ever. literally, it's
0: literally. If you are, if you have anything critical to say about my team, you are rooting for the other team, and I hate you. Right, and, and uh, just real real sign of um you know literally every thought is firing through a single synapse just one synapse it's the only one that can fire so they have to take a break you know and
1: cue everything up before like another thought can come through that happens sometimes where you're like so you tweet something or whatever like i think i forget what it was i think i tweeted like if oh it was the oregon uh utah game and uh or no it was it was there was one game there there was a big comeback. It wasn't the Oregon, Utah game. It was a big comeback game. Uh oh, it was Oregon, Oregon State, maybe. And I was like, if this holds, USC is gonna play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Like if this score holds, I didn't say I think the score is gonna hold. And people are just like, old takes, terrible take. you think you you hate the t-. I'm like, all I said was is that if the score holds, I didn't say like I think it will or anything like that. But like you said, there's there's a single synapse. Like someone's disrespecting my team. They they didn't think we could come. He didn't think we could come back and win. See, you're an idiot. We came back and won. I'm like I, I was rooting for you to win. Like so I, I wanted you to. Like
0: I like to think that I generally like through my own tweets, I have kind of winnowed down my following away from people who are like really keen aficionados of sports talk radio, like ones who are like, yeah, I've got to I've got to take you suck. Um, just because I'm so obnoxious on Twitter, so those people have unfollowed or blocked me most of the time. But then a game like this, where like one person like quote tweets my tweet, and then it gets to their followers who are all like dumb mouth breeders, the same as they are. Like I think this one, it was like um, it was some Utah dude who's like a media guy. I don't even know who it was, but clearly like a sports talk radio idiot. Yeah. Um, and he <laughs> quote tweeted it, and so then a bunch of his idiot followers decided to tweet at me and it's like you're not you're out of your element donny like this is not like i i have nothing against utah or kyle whittingham uh he's a blessed idiot but that's a great thing in my estimation be, look think about how much better life would be if you were just walking through it as a blessed idiot like i can make any decision whatsoever and it's going to work out for me because i'm 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 stupid but i'm blessed but uh, a lot
1: of it is because you've made a lot of other good decisions that you can overcome Certain bad ones you've built a great program like yes. this
0: is all the like the facts that are in evidence about Kyle Whittingham should make it so that you understand that anyone critiquing him is doing it either with their tongue firmly in cheek or they themselves are dumb but either way you shouldn't engage with them like I'm essentially like half trolling quit kidding on the square because no one is disputing the notion that Kyle Whittingham has built an elite program at Utah like for Utah to be doing the shit it is is baffling it's bananas. Um And so, you know, joking about the fact that, yeah, even this idiot can screw up clock management and it works out for him is just talking good about your program. Like, yeah. That's it. Um,
1: he's a blessed idiot. That's the truth. Nice. All right. Uh, we got a couple um, questions that came through on a chat. So let's get to those. Uh, this is from EVS. Let me pull it up. Dave, what's the word on a Dante Moore visit to UCLA? Much ado about nothing, or is it something? Just jumped on, so sorry if you'd already talked about
0: it. I mean, the dude officially visited UCLA, so it's something. Um,
1: this is a quarterback from Michigan. Yeah, so this is the number—
0: Elite he- 11 quarterback that's committed to Oregon. Yeah, he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the country in the class of 2023. Committed to Oregon. Um, obviously, they had the offensive coordinator change. Uh, he was trying to do a sneaky surprise official visit to UCLA. It got out on Thursday. Um, sneaky surprise. Sneaky surprise. It's that time of year. Um, and then he did, uh, he took the official visit, had a good time. Um, but it still sounds like he's potentially going to take more visits. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's a, a flip incoming, it's, I would guess, probably not going to happen immediately. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think it's. I think UCLA is certainly um, putting its its toe in the water, um, testing the waters a little bit more in recruiting right now. Um, they're, they're gonna try the
1: recruiting thing.
0: They're gonna try the recruiting thing. I think they're gonna try the NIL thing. They're gonna like... try the whole thing. Um, wow. So we'll see if it works out. Um, I think the reality is it's not um, uh, just deciding you're going to do. Um, nil at a real level uh it isn't enough by itself because a lot of people are doing that you still have to put in the legwork so they're getting guys on campus they're getting in homes
1: we'll see but it's certainly more interesting than it was like two years ago recruiting seems overrated you know (laughs) why would you want to go do that yep uh whatever mark speaking of uh ucla quarterbacks any chance that dju uh winds up at Oh, he spelled this wrong. F U C L A. Oh, so, wow.
0: Why do they always mix that up? Yeah. Not, so there's weird. no F
1: at the beginning there. Um, they always have the, the dollar sign instead of the S for some reason. It doesn't reason. make any sense. Yeah. yeah no,
0: I was U dollar sign C uh, as bitch boy, actually, not USC's. So I don't, I don't oh, I, I, frankly, I don't get it. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, DJ. DJ Ongulele. Yeah. DJ. Uh, uh, I'm going to go Ui Agalele. That's what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs>
1: That's a, I haven't
0: heard that one. That's what I'm going with because I'm just going to go the the classic Polynesian where you just pronounce every every, every syllable. Letter. yeah. Um, I'm not adding an N because he's gone back and forth on this, so I'm just choosing my it own. It does list.
1: change with, yeah. to be fair. Like we cover guys in high school and they are like, I know that I was told this by like the family, Look, I, and then I, I, res- and then the broadcast and I respect
0: else. people who stick with their their whatever. If you want to pronounce it, whatever you want, but you get one, and if if you change it, then I'm changing it too. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce it the way it makes sense to me. Um, we all get to you know interpret these things however we want. And I think I, you give the person whose name it actually is first dibs, for sure. we we'll give them a chance. Yeah. But after that, no, sorry. My turn.
1: Um, uh, you wonder if it's like they like literally came through high school. This is what my parents and my family have been called this forever, forever. And then like Chris Fowler or something comes up and says the name and he just goes like, yeah, that sounds fine. I'll go with that. <laughs> like, I don't want to correct him. Like- I bet you that's happened. Like, oh, this this is a bit famous like guy. I'm I'm not gonna correct him. We'll just go and well, then yeah, it, then no, it becomes the thing. Like,
0: there's the kids you grow up with who are just like, I'm giving up. I'm I'm just gonna go with whatever these these idiot white right. folk want to pronounce my name <laughs> as. Um, and then you learn later that you were like, no, that's not your name at all. And I, I'm always like, what? You just didn't believe I could do it. You, you didn't believe my my mouth parts could make that sound work. <laughs> like, just tell me your goddamn name, I know. and then I won't
1: learn it a different way um one of my buddies from brazil and his his name is Joao, and i love it yeah, yeah. that's a cool name but like everyone just calls him jojo and i'm like <laughs> it's not that hard like why are you just, i refuse to call him jojo i'm like hey yeah. you know whatever yeah 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 it's, it's like whatever no man. it's
0: just um yeah anyway, anyway uh dju i think he's one of a few options that ucla is evaluating i don't think he's top of the list um for obvious reasons looking at his claims and performance but i think he's you know I think somebody they're gonna evaluate Chip Kelly's talk to him, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd be curious to see where UCLA goes and Oregon State. Um, obviously, teams that have talent. Uh, I mean, how much success could Oregon State have had with a quarterback? And this isn't like you could say that like if you were like if it was like Justin Wilcox, like Cal was like, man, the defense was good. They ran the ball. <laughs> like Jay Not was just awesome. Like that's not the case, obviously. I mean, he's awesome, but like they weren't good at all this other stuff. But just they were just a quarterback away, you know, um, and obviously that's not the case. But for like a Jonathan Smith coach team to be like just a quarterback away it's just like, come on. Like, I know it's been it's been years. It's like we got to fix this.
0: Yeah, no. And if I'm a quarterback and looking at like different offenses to be in, obviously Chip Kelly's is an enticing one. But so is Jonathan Smith. Yeah. I mean, Oregon State should be an attractive destination. And I'm not saying for like a transfer quarterback with like many, many years of eligibility left. But if you're a grad transfer coming from a lower program and you want to say, I want to be an NFL quarterback and I want to have the profile to do it, Oregon State, that's your spot. Like, go do that. Why Um, not? Because you'll be in a really good offense that's tailored to good quarterback play. Um, And looking at the program, they're 9-3. and I mean, they were not that far away. And. No um they return an excellent running back um their offensive line i think will still be good um and their defense was legit as hell right. this year so. without like
1: being star driven it was yeah. just the, you know bray came in and did a nice job there yeah uh but but if they have another year or two of just like they could run the ball they play good defense and the quarterback stinks you're like i'm gonna start questioning the offense at that point I'm like I don't know. Like what is, what's going on? No, like, But
0: like this year, I mean, look, I, I think Nolan, we all talked ourselves into it, but he wasn't really the answer either. Um, and we go, thought he was go Branson is just a guy. Um, get in a really good quarterback and then see what happens. Yeah.
1: Uh, Danny, uh, on YouTube says, uh, would you consider Utah's season successful? What about UCLA in Oregon? Uh, yeah, you won the pac 12. I think it's successful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it fell it fell short of the expectations I had for Utah coming in when I picked them to win and I think I picked them to go to the playoffs. I think I ended up at eleven to one or whatever. Um, you know, we'll argue about the the Florida game. I just thought that was crap. But it it's a six and six team. Like just don't lose to that team. Um and you know, other games down the road, you you got, you know, Cam gets hurt and you go on the road and lose to Oregon. But I it's still successful. You won the Pac twelve. Like you had to kinda like a lot of things had to happen to make the Pac twelve championship, but you won. So I I would say, yeah it's successful especially for Utah like if you were, I mean if this was like Alabama and you like won the SEC but missed the playoffs like then you're not successful but I, it's only the second time Utah's ever won the Pac-12 so yeah I would say successful,
0: um, yeah I agree. Uh, there's another good question. This is from Big T thirty-seven. It's the most recent one. Oh let me uh,
1: okay I'll put it up. Oh Big T thirty-seven. Oh wait hold on. Uh, it's successful about UCLA and Oregon. Were those successful? Oh um uh oregon
0: and ucla i would say uh par what would you say par like they i don't think it was unsuccessful yeah i think they just fell short of their goals um i think ucla well i wouldn't say ucla fell short of its goals it's just it fell short of being an obviously like an obviously above par season because they um or below par uh they uh they Won most of the games they should, uh, stole a game that they shouldn't have won, you know, against Utah. If you're looking preseason, but then lost a game that they should have won against Arizona. Arizona yeah. So it just kind of evens out to yeah, okay, it went fine. And Oregon, I mean, you can point very obviously to the Bo injury as the main issue. Um, if that doesn't happen, they're probably eleven and one, and the you know Pac-12 championship game is a play in for the playoff. Um, but they did, so I think they fell short for more explainable reasons. Uh, more, you know, oh, okay. If only that one thing hadn't happened, it's not a reflection on the coach. But either way, I don't think you can say they're clearly successful seasons, but also not unsuccessful.
1: Yeah, I would say like I think UCLA held held serve. Like they just were like you felt like they would be like nine and three because the out of conference schedule wasn't that hard. You lost a game you shouldn't have. You won one. I you know, I I feel like it was it was fine. I think Oregon you could say is a little more successful just because you had the coaching change. Uh, you brought in Bo Nix. You weren't really sure what was going to happen there. Uh, Kenny Dillingham was young, and you didn't know. And and just, I think there was a lot of success there, beating Utah after getting clobbered, you know, twice last year. I would give Oregon's a little more success, like give it a higher success rate than uh, sure UCLA. I'll buy it. Big T thirty seven. More more annoying fan base. Oregon Oregon State Utah or Oregon.
0: So here, I'll start with this. I think you're having the right conversation, um, judging on my interactions with people on Twitter, um, except I would probably just throw out Oregon State immediately. Yeah, I wouldn't throw it. I don't have too many problems with Oregon State fans. There's not, um, generally, I think, a a fan base that has been humbled for a long period of time generally isn't that obnoxious. Right. Um, That's not always true, Arizona fans, I'm looking at you. But that might be because of the basketball success. You still have the like belief, um, but you haven't been humbled by your football program, and you should should be. be. (laughs) Um, But Oregon State, I'd throw out of the conversation. I think Utah and Oregon, they both have arguments. Um, Utah fans, uh, so I would say for both fan bases, I'm not speaking about you, listener. You're amazing.
1: Sounds like you're very specifically speaking to the listener. Not you. Not you. Okay. No, no, no.
0: The other ones, the unwashed ones. Um, I would say uh, Oregon fans I found extremely obnoxious and also kind of stupid. Uh, like the back half of them. Again, not you. Not you. I love you. Um, the back half of Oregon fans, extremely stupid uh, mid-season um, and not understanding things like at a very basic level. Like I'm not insulting your program. Your program's fine. It's a joke. Uh, Utah fans, I've never seen a fan base so profoundly insecure when they are doing well. Um, Mm -hmm. That was bizarre during the Pac-12 championship game. Um, uh, And again, all this is anecdotal because it's just based on my mentions um, because I don't interact with you otherwise. Um, But just some, again. You you feel like you're above
1: the Utah Well, again,
0: just some profoundly stupid things going on. And I'm not saying uh, all fan bases don't have their profoundly stupid. I mean, UCLA has some profoundly stupid fans. Mm -hmm. Love you, too not you. You know, you know it's not you. Um but uh it, it's just again it's like that sports talk radio thing and I think again I am um I'm in a little bit of a bubble, you know. We all have our interaction bubbles where yeah. I avoid most of that by carefully curating my following and the people I interact with by either blocking them or they have blocked me. But either way I'm not interacting with them that much. Um but uh I think it's because they are external fan bases because I've blocked a lot of UCLA fans because they've got that same tendency to just like the the stupid reaction. And here's the thing. I'm very sensitive to being stupid about sports. I'm stupid about sports in a lot of ways. Um, But I just uh, I don't like it when I'm I'm doing my job. And even when I'm trolling, I'm like, you know. I'm actually watching the game. I'm trying to pay attention to the tendencies, you yeah know, the whole thing like I'm trying to like actually look at this from an analytical perspective. and then I've got just people just spewing stupidity vitriol at me and I'm like,, ah, this is not worth my time Now sometimes I'll engage with it and troll right back and then other times I'm like, oh, this is too dumb. It's too dumb. I'm not dealing with it. <sighs> okay. um, so to answer your question,
1: um, I'll go Oregon. So all the Utah talk and you go Oregon.
0: I'll go Oregon because I'm, I'm remembering some interactions mid-season. And also they've got at least one psychopath who like set up multiple accounts just to tweet at me.
1: Just to. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Nice. Uh, good one there. Okay. Uh, let's see. Planet Moolah wants to know, and I, I know you haven't. I, well, maybe you have. What's the best bowl matchup outside of the playoff teams? Utah Penn State baby I like that one uh, I haven't looked at a lot of the other um...
0: look I think uh, Texas Washington could be a lot of fun uh, in the uh, Alamo Bowl I think you're probably gonna see some offensive uh, fun obviously from Washington and I think Texas will keep up um, and I think uh, the one we're gonna watch this weekend Washington State President's State is potential to be sneaky good
1: uh, okay And there's one more. I didn't see. Billy Bob says, North Texas has hired Washington State's offensive coordinator as their new head coach. Did you see this? No. I didn't see this either. Uh, Oh, Pete Thamel, sources. North Texas is finalizing the deal to make Washington State offensive coordinator Eric Morris the school's next head coach. Ah, that's probably good for me and my pick, right? Yeah. (laughs) Might have to change that. (laughs) No, it's, it's written in gold. Oh, well, we're been, still on the show. Yeah, it's been burned Plus the I control all the stuff so I can change. No, the, the
0: tablets have been brought down from the mountain. They have yeah. been and they've been, we've 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 inscribed the uh the great pics on them and now you can't change them.
1: Yeah. Uh interesting because he came over from Incarnate Ward, right? Yep. And brought uh Cameron Ward with him. True that. So we'll see uh, what what goes on there. But yeah, thanks, Billy Bob, for a little breaking uh, breaking news at the end of the show. It's all good. Um, how long did we go? Eh, hour and a half. Not too bad for like Crushed two, it two games to uh, preview. I got another live one coming up at noon. If you guys are bored, we're going to do a style podcast with Chris Trevino. So talk about uh, a bunch of USC stuff. So you can get to all that. But again, um, everyone out there, go out there. Hug your loved ones, swing your sword, uh, RAP Mike Leach. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know we probably didn't do him justice, uh, but we gave our little tributes in our own little way. Uh any final thoughts, David? I have no final thoughts. You don't like the final thoughts. You're when we're done. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm usually done about 10 minutes before we finish. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. Okay. I like to drag it on a little bit longer to make you super uncomfortable. No, it's great. It's go. great.
0: I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> I I don't have you know my day just like full of
1: shit I need to do constantly. Mm.
0: No, nice. let's just well, let's well, talk let, longer. Let's
1: babble. We'll let it go. Uh, that is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time.
0: Goodbye. Okay. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League twenty four seven.